we're recording. Welcome back, everyone. To this episode of Life with Josh and Amir. This episode of the podcast is not sponsored by the Cash App. That's right. We are not sponsored by the Cash App. However, you can use the Cash App to help support the podcast. Use the code RVWNQBS to get $5 for free when you send your first $5. Life with Josh and Amir will also get $5 for free. That's right, but for those of you that don't know about the Cash App, it is one of the best apps for sending and receiving money. It's the number one finance app in the App Store, and it comes with something called the Cash Card. The Cash Card is not a credit card. Rather, it is the most powerful debit card on the planet. The whole planet. Now, the Cash Card is the only debit card with Boost, a unique money-saving feature that was invented by the Cash App. You can select Boost in your Cash App to save 10% or more at Whole Foods, Shake Shack, Chipotle, Taco Bell, Chick-fil-A, Domino's, and coffee shops when you swipe your Cash Card. Now, Whole Foods is great, but it's super expensive. With the Cash App, you can save 10%. So, for every $100 you spend, you save 10. The Coffee Shop Boost is great, too. It takes a dollar off at any cup of coffee you buy at any coffee shop, including Dunkin' and Starbucks. That's right. You save a dollar on every cup of coffee you buy, if you're crazy like Josh and you buy 300 cups of coffee a year, you save $300. That means you're saving upwards of 20%. That's just crazy, man. Totally crazy. Now, we're not even sponsored by the Cash App, and we're here telling you how great it is. If that doesn't say something, I don't know what will. So, you can support Life with Josh and Mir by simply using the Cash App. Just enter the code RVWNQBS to receive $5 for the first five you send, and for us to receive $5 as well, totally free. You can also find us directly on the Cash App using our hashtag Josh and Amir Podcast, all one word. You can help us recuperate the cost of our equipment. That's mics, mixer, boom stands, mounts, etc. And help us invest in the future of the podcast so we can bring you more awesome guests. I mean, shit, dude. We talked to a doctor. We, talked we to, did. We talked to a doctor. Super gnarly. All right. Now. Today we had a great conversation. We sat down with my aunt, uh, Dr. Colin their Carr. She has been a doctor. How long has she been a doctor? shit for a while she's a long time she's been a physician for a while in internal medicine and she recently like last four years right yeah four years started working in the prison system yeah yeah yeah. we had a great conversation about um how she grew up and found her passion for medicine right she came from india when she was 12 but uh you know we cover it all in the podcast very beautiful story yeah you really see that i mean people talk about immigrant success story She's it. Right. And there's a couple little diff- big differences in there, right? Like for starters, you know, um, her family wanted her to work. You know, we tend to think that, uh, you know, immigrant families push their kids to be at for college, for college, right? Yeah. You know, so that they can go be a doctor or whatever, right? So, um, but yeah, we touched on a lot of really interesting topics, right? Yeah. Without further ado, Dr. Carl Windercar. Hello. This episode of the podcast. Philosophy. Politics. Art. Music. Morality. Morality. Philosophy. Philosophy. Religion. Art. Aliens. Morality. And we are recording. Hi, Dr. Carr. Hello. <laughs> how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. Amir tells me you're from India. I am. I'm how? from Punjab. Oh, okay. Where's that? Northern part of India. Okay. Uh, it's next where to Pakistan. Yeah. Oh, so, so near the Middle East. Yeah. It's yeah. Close, part. close to Middle East. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's where okay. my mom's from too. Our, oh, okay. Yeah. Our whole family's from there. We're Punjabi. Yeah. What's it like? I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, hot and uh, tropical. Um, cold in winter, but it's, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you grew up there? I grew up there until 12. I was 12. 
eighth grade. Okay, and then you moved to the states after that. Yes. Okay. What made you? Uh, what made you decide to move? It wasn't my decision. Okay. It was my, right. <laughs> my, my parents uh, decided to move just for you know better opportunities, and their whole family was moving. Mm-hmm. My was... aunt sponsored my mom, and then everyone moved. Nice. Yeah. So was there like a plan? Were you guys, or do you know? Uh, yeah, there was a plan. Um, I think you know between the adults they discussed to like everyone move for better opportunities, lifestyles, and mm-hmm. I think they applied back in 1983, mm-hmm. and we were here in '86. Wow, <laughs> things must have been very different back then. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, it didn't take too long back then. The immigration oh, yeah. process. Yeah. Now it takes about 20 years i think for that sponsorship that's crazy really? actually i know someone that family it, over yeah i know someone that that happened for actually yeah, yeah it took uh 20 years yep. for their mom to get approved yep. yeah that's crazy why does it take so long um i think they have limited quota for each nation mm-hmm. so and now they do a lot more background checks so if they've already have you know people coming for j1 visa from india they're gonna slow down the families there's no uh, you know, right. there's no reason for them to just bring families. It costs more the government for kids and all yeah. this, right? Right. And right. elderly, rather than just bring somebody who's able to contribute to the society. Right. By right. Working, you know. So someone who's more like middle aged. Middle aged or young people in their twenties, they come for jobs, and you get immediate. You know, hmm. immediately you have somebody who's contributing. Right. right. It's harder to whether it's with kids or with. You know, right. people who are older, then it's like, well, why? We don't need them. Right. We don't need, like, five right. and one person doing labor. Right. Right. Yeah. right. yeah. No, it's that's true. Um, what was it like growing up in India? Uh, it was carefree and fun. Yeah? yeah? Yes. There was no, you know, we, we grew up on a farm. Uh, we had our own farm and grew up with a lot of animals, ton of cousins. The whole family lived yeah. together in one house. Mm-hmm. So it was like no rules, no curfews, no nothing. We right. Just ran around all day. Sounds nice. Move the mic a little closer. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. No, that's cool though. I mean, I remember it. Well, I was like, I think it was when you guys first moved into the house that you guys had moved. This was what six years ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember we were talking about this, and for some reason it didn't click in my head that that was India. Yeah. I didn't know you lived there till you were 12. Right. I thought you immigrated about the same age my mom did, which was four. Yeah. I was wow. clearly way off <laughs> by almost a decade. <laughs> I, I told you you'd learn something. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, you must have some fond memories of the, of India then. I do. You know, stuff I remember is like just we had used to have fruit, uh, like a garden, huge garden full of fruit trees. And you just go pick a fruit, pet, eat. or so cool. Hang out with your cousins or your grand. Our grandfathers used to tell us stories, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. It was almost mandated. We have to sit there and listen to their stories. <laughs> yeah. And one of my grandfather's older brother, we also called him grandpa, he was blind. So we would try to sneak away, like 10 <laughs> cousins sitting, one of us. And he would know because his hearing, hearing was so good. <laughs> right. He'd be like, who just left? Oh, <laughs> so, and then he had this uh, 
big uh, stick that he he would check he would count with the stick <laughs> like touch everybody yeah. on the shoulder that's yeah. funny yeah. that is funny yeah. you guys ever try to cheat that system like oh yeah that's funny <laughs> you ever get away with it oh yeah we would get away yeah. a lot <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. cool that's you know, why we kept trying you know yeah. any good stories from do you remember any you know from childhood i do not remember too much it must have been a while back yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Not, not like there. They were usually like folk stories, you know, mm-hmm. or stories about kings who ruled yeah. India back in the days. That's Some cool. kind of moral stories. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Cool. I remember um, the reason I brought up remembering that you guys had lived on a farm is because I remember when I was, I must have been thirteen at the time. I think we were. <laughs> you remember this? We were telling creepy stories, and we sat around that uh, that table, that old table you guys used to have, and then we turned. The, I remember that. Yeah. But still, didn't click in my head that, yeah. oh, that farm was in India for yeah. whatever reason. <laughs> right. Well, we had, like, when we first came here, yeah. my aunt who's here, she's a farm farmer. Oh, okay. So we also, I stayed at a farm here also as a migrant worker. Oh, interesting. I didn't yeah, know that. I did not know that. I, knew. I did not know that. <laughs> did you speak um, the, the native language in the area at the time? At the time, yes. Yeah. No, no more you don't. Uh, I do. I you do. still yeah. do? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Can you yeah. say something? Uh, Sastrikal. What does that mean? Hi. That means hello. Yeah. Oh, cool. I know yeah. that. That's about that's <laughs> cool. my like limited <laughs> amount of Punjabi that I know. Very cool. You yeah. were trying to learn for a minute, were you? Uh, well, okay. <laughs> that was uh, not by my choice, but <laughs> now that I'm older, I do want to learn. Like, yeah. like I've tried. I told him I like started to learn more about like Sikhism because I want to. Yeah. And then I'm thinking about taking a Punjabi class at Sac City. But I gotta go to the West Sac for that, so we'll see. Right, right. <laughs> um, so, what was it like then learning English? Or initially, it was a struggle because mm-hmm. I was I came. It was almost the end of eighth grade. Back in the days, there weren't so many immigrants, so they didn't have all this help with ESL and stuff. So you just kind of got thrown out there and you sink or swim. Right. right. Um, so I remember the middle school I went to was in like by 24th in Meadowview, that area. And there was no Indians there. So there was somebody from Fiji who was like my guide for a few months Mm. because we have similar language. Um, so it was a struggle. I remember, I think it was ninth grade or eighth grade, something. Yeah. Eighth grade. Like, I was only in eighth grade for a few months, but the teacher, like, at the end, she's like, I'm going to give you a D because so you're so nice and quiet, but you're failing this class. Oh, it wow. was that. It was like that wow. kind of struggle. Oh, I had no idea what was going on. Oh, wow. Hey, yeah. And, you know, just to point out, you went from that and now you're a doctor. So I think that says a lot about, you know, uh, there's that, that there's that immigrant success story, right? Right. Immigrating from India. Mm-hmm. And then you really build your way up, not knowing English, getting a yep. D in whatever class. And then now I'm a doctor. That's like biggest do you, flex. Do you remember what it was like coming over? Um, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, coming in and you meant in plane and then what part? Um, leaving and then Yeah, what's it like moving arriving? from one country to yeah. completely across the world? The leaving part was very, very sad yeah. because yeah. we don't know where, what, we didn't know what to expect. Right. Yeah. You know? So my aunt who was here, I had never seen her. Oh. And my cousins, we knew them, like, in theory, were first cousins, but we didn't talk. We didn't, you know. Right. So we didn't know what to expect, and you're leaving everything you've ever known 
friends, the you know, right. other cousins and my grandparents. So it was very hard. So a lot of tears and a lot of nervousness, yeah. scared, being yeah. bored, like not we couldn't drive, nobody could like twenty of us arrived at my aunt's house. <laughs> oh, and you know, we couldn't drive, we couldn't speak English, her kids didn't speak Punjabi. So oh it, damn. Oh, wow. <laughs> so there was like was, a big disconnect. Yeah. Kind of. Right. So it was very tough at first. And then they since they had a farm and there were all these people who just arrived, so they're like, Oh, we have free help. So we, we did a lot of work at the farm. Mm-hmm. Um how long was it before you guys moved out from there and like you and your parents you know, and stuff? I lived? think we moved out uh, like I moved out beginning of ninth grade. Mm. Uh, so maybe six months or so. Oh, okay. Maybe. Uh, so it was after the summer. I remember working in Yuba City in summer yeah. uh, on the farm, like a few summers in a mm-hmm. row, you know. So mm-hmm. we might have stayed a year. Maybe yeah. it was the, you know, but ninth grade or no, 10th grade I was in. Mm. Ninth or tenth, yeah. Nice. And then I know that you you grew up, well, okay, grew up isn't the right word. When you guys moved, it was to the Sac area? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we lived in Greenhaven. That's where my mom and my aunt lived. Mm. And then we moved out. We were in South Sac. Okay, okay, yeah, that's what I thought. You went to Valley. No. I went to Valley. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. When did things start to get easier? Because I know you said it, at first it had been a struggle. Yeah, yeah. I, I would think ninth grade was still, uh, you know, struggle. Mm-hmm. I went to series high in ninth. It was in Modesto for mm-hmm. a year because my un- one uncle had moved there. So yeah. he took me with him. And then uh, there were some Indians. So you kind of bonded and, and it got easy. Yeah. The rest was, you know, it went by fine. Yeah. And then at what point did you decide to go to medical school? Um, probably like ninth or 10th grade. Really? That early on? Yeah. Because when we came, I remember my uncle whose house we came to. He was like, you know, they obviously looked down on us because we had just come from India. Right. Right. So they're like, oh, you know, um, we're going to have our kids go to pharmacy school and med school. Yeah. Um, too bad you guys can't do that because that's expensive, you know. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So yeah. it, it kind of made me like want to do it. Yeah. And then the more I learned about it, I'm like, yeah, why can't I do it? You know, mm-hmm. I'm an, and I love science and learning anyway. Yeah. So it was natural. Oh, right. That's cool. It's like that. Yeah, I had an interest in it. And then, you know. Then somebody challenged me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's own challenge. Right. like, oh, now I'm going to do yeah, it. Yeah, now I'm going to do right. it. Like, <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. I yeah. remember at some point, I told my other uncle, he's like, so what are you going to do? I was in high school. I go, I think I'm going to become a doctor. He's like, it's not easy, you know. You you right. said it so easily. It's not easy. Right. They, they kind of doubt you. Right. right. So I was, that sense just kind of gave me feel, uh, you know. Yeah, I totally, to I, I understand going. that feeling. I mean, not, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm not. I'm not thinking about becoming a doctor, so not to the same right. degree as far as what's what was the work that is needed to be put in. But, you know, uh, when I was younger, back in middle school, my freshman year of high school, I played the trumpet in the marching band. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I had always wanted to be a drummer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, back in seventh grade from day one, when I joined the band, they had told me, you know, we can't teach you drums, you know. We don't have a drum teacher. And, uh, you know, 
I always told my parents, I was like, I really want to be a drummer. This is what mm-hmm. I want to do. I, I love the drums. And uh, one day I went to my band teacher and, you know, he would always tell me, no, no, no. You know, we don't, we can't have you switching. We need you on trumpet. We need more trumpet. And um, eventually I just came in one day and I said, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to stay in band if, if I can't switch to drums. Right. And he said, well, fine. But if you, he said, if you're going to be back there on the kit, you're going to, I want you to work, you know, as hard as, and he compared me to, you know, another student, mm-hmm. right, who was like a very, very skilled musician. And I said, fine, that's fine, you know, and everybody would tell me, they would say, you can't do it, you know, I'm surprised you haven't dropped out yet, why mm-hmm. are you still here? And by my senior year, first Best chair, drummer in the band. Yeah, nice. you know, me, and, me and Amir, we worked the fall play. And, yeah, we did. And yeah. I, you know, I did the spring musical, which is usually reserved for paid professionals. That's awesome, so, good for you yeah yeah it, it actually it really helps you get motivated when people yeah. doubt you right it's actually nice <laughs> <laughs> no, like, yeah. yeah 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 well it's like turning that negative into a positive it's like exactly. okay like i can be all upset that someone's doubting me or i can be like eh, yeah. i'm just gonna prove you wrong exactly right. Right. Yeah. Uh, how did that play out over time because i can imagine initially you have this burning passion and you're like you know i want to do this thing and you learn more and more did mm-hmm. your passion increase over time as you learned more um i think it stayed strong mm-hmm. um people uh, you know i did not know what i was getting into <laughs> uh, because i didn't know it was such arduous course Right. Like, you know, that there's MCATs and you have to go to med school and there's a residency. I had no idea. Yeah. I, we had no guidance. Um, so, I, you know, I think I learned more and more in college. But by then I was so committed. Yeah. There was no po- going back. Gotcha. And then once I graduated college, my my parents are actually, they were actually very anti-higher education. Really? Because they did not come from a family that values education mm-hmm. and they wanted me to work because we we were so poor yeah and they were like well you could graduate high school and work and i was like no i want to go to college and mm-hmm. they saw that as an expense right that's like the complete opposite uh, of the stereotype that yeah. you hear right oh, right yeah. most yeah. indians are like push push, Mine push, were push. Like, uh, my dad said i could buy you a store you know convenience store i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> yeah yeah so oh, um my mom actually insisted that I have to get married before I could move away to go to college for med school. Really? Huh. Yeah, and so that's what I had to do. So you got married? Yeah. And then you did college? Yeah. I, then I did med school. For college, med I school. commuted to UCD. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so while you were living in SAC, you went to UC Davis. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so, okay, so your medical school, that was in Grenada? Grenada. Which yeah. is a tropical island where? In the West Indies. That's cool. <laughs> yes, that was cool. Where are the West Indies? It's um, like uh, near South America. Okay. Almost Venezuela, you know. It's um, yeah, yeah, okay. By Trinidad and Tobago. You okay. seen Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah. Yes. It's the West Indies. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow, actually, Caribbeans. wow, I didn't know the, that those movies took place in the, in the West yeah. Indies. That's where Pirates took place. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> That, that was a been... good experience. Yeah. Um, obviously, because I was a student and my husband wasn't working. Mm-hmm. He left his job to be with me. So we were like no assets, no income. Yeah. <laughs> so we were like as poor as it gets. Yeah. How'd you make it work? Um, 
we he took a, a job as a resident assistant like mm-hmm. for the dorms and we got oh, free okay. housing because of that right so that was that and most everything else was student loans oh, i'm gonna be a resident mm-hmm. advisor at uh at my college yeah it's awesome yeah. it's really good because we got little pay for it um but free housing is huge right. in college you know right. and we had uh, like yeah. a one bedroom suite with kitchenette and cleaning services and oh, so it was essentially an apartment almost oh, right it was apartment essentially yeah and this was at davis or this was no. in west indies in this the, was in the west indies. st george yeah. how did you decide to head to the west indies um i applied here twice first time i got on wait list at you i think yes it was usc i got some uh i got admitted at um tennessee or something mm-hmm. i just didn't want to move to tennessee <laughs> right know? And USC, I didn't get in. I got on wait list. And next year, I reapplied. Um, and then I didn't get in. I didn't want to keep losing time. Right. And I had friends who had gone to West Indies. And they were so happy. So I was like, I'll just go. Yeah. I mean, shoot. Go to college on a tropical island. Yeah. Sounds like a good plan. So yeah. <laughs> so you got accepted there. And then you, you headed down there. Yes. For yeah. two years, we were there. You know. Um, I didn't of, know medical school, medical school was just two years. I no, it was longer. two years there, and then they're contracted with the hospitals here. Oh, so the okay. rest I did in California between Bakersfield and San Joaquin at Stockton. So to get a medical degree, it's so you do the two years, and then is it like you're doing stuff in hospitals, mm-hmm. and then oh, okay. so it's four years altogether. The yeah. la- last two years are rotations, clinical rotations. What's that? Um, they have preset, like the fir- third year you do um, required rotations, surgery, family practice, gotcha. um, pediatrics, they have uh, OB, so they have five core rotations. Mm-hmm. The next year you can choose whatever you want, de- depending on your interest. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to do each month something different. Then oh, by the yeah. halfway next year you apply for residency. Depending on where, what kind of specialty you want to go into. Gotcha. So it kind of like you're introduced to all these different things yeah. within the medical field, and be like, right. okay, to to get exposure. Yeah, to the different. Mm-hmm. Okay. With yeah. everything you did, it must have been very rigorous. What was your time in school like? Um, you know, time flew. Mm-hmm. I was learning so much, and then I was also preparing for board exams, um, and then coming home, cook. Time was just flying. We would like once a month or something, once every few weeks, we'd go to the beach and just relax. Other than that, we, we did a little bit of island hopping, mm-hmm. um, but, but it was cool. It was very fun, relaxing. You know, it's all the students there are uh, American mostly. Mm, okay. So it was like you took a college from here and put it there. Oh, that's right. cool. Yeah. So there was like, there was no language issues no. or anything? No. Right. Everyone speaks English. Okay. Did they have like, like American food? Stuff like um, that? You know, there was KFC on the island <laughs> and it was such a treat because we wouldn't, couldn't always eat out because it was, right. you know, relatively expensive. Yeah. Okay. But sometimes after the finals, you were like, oh, I want to go out and eat. And yeah. then half of the time they'd be out of chicken. Because the shipment didn't come in. <laughs> oh, wow, wow. So the stuff we missed most was food from home. Mm. You know, like mm. chocolate wasn't... It's tropical island, so chocolate yeah. goes bad really quick. 
Uh, it melts or it goes bad. So there was no chocolate. Anytime somebody would go to US, we're like, oh, can you get me chocolate? It was stuff <laughs> like that. So, yeah. Yeah, they have other food. Like, there's French, uh, you know, there's a lot of French influence. Yeah. yeah. And then they have some, a lot of Indian infusion, oh, which we cool. were shocked to see. Yeah. But a lot of Caribbean islands have Indians. Mm. Huh. Uh, yeah. I didn't know so, that. That's yeah. Cool. And so a lot of food that has curry. So we mm. ate whatever. And then I cooked quite a bit. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So there was like a like a blend of cultures mm-hmm. kind of in mm-hmm. that area. And yeah. the West Indies, well, a lot of that, that area would have had that because that's where a lot of like different, like the colonizers, that they would have gone there. Like it would have right. been the English, the French. Mm-hmm. I know the Spanish probably would have stopped by there. Yeah. I know that there was probably some African influences. Yes. You know, because um, that's where the slave trade would have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. yeah. And that's exactly like we went to Trinidad and Tobago. And at the time we went that week, they were celebrating 150 years of arrival of Indians. Uh, our Indians. Yeah. yeah. So they, the British had brought over a ship full of Indians. Yeah. To, because slavery was ending there and they needed help with sugarcane labor. Yeah. So it was indentured servitude. Indentured servitude, mm-hmm. which is a nicer version of slavery. Of saying slaves, yeah. Right, right. Um, but they do look kind of mixed between African Americans and Indians. They call yeah. themselves West Indians. Mm-hmm. West Indies. Mm-hmm. That's right. right. The more you know. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's cool. What else did you see in way of culture while you were in the West Indies? Um, the people are very nice, but they're very reserved. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do not like Americans because they think or cocky we don't get we don't i think the people there complain that we don't try to get to know them yet we're using their country to right better ourselves right so that was one of their biggest complaints but once you are like talking to them give them the respect they're super nice yeah polite people you know we would buy eggs from the locals or bread uh, my husband shrew he's super friendly so he would just be totally with uh, inner you know playing with locals basketball cool. or whatever so oh, that's, that's cool, cool. what yeah. kind of music did you encounter um they have their reggae mm-hmm. um a lot of reggae but they listen to american music but everywhere you go it was mostly reggae yeah because isn't jamaica technically mm-hmm. in the west indies yeah, yeah. that that makes sense yeah. sounds sounds like a very laid-back vibe it was very laid-back <laughs> country it's just very laid-back <laughs> i remember yeah. this once um, my husband got sick so he was in the general hospital, and I got out of class. I couldn't find him. Somebody told me, oh, he's in the hospital. I took the local bus to go there. Mm-hmm. And people were just relaxed, playing music. They would stop whenever I'm, like, worried about my husband. I'm, like, <laughs> trying to get to the hospital. Rushing. <laughs> I have no yeah. control. And, like, somebody got in a fight, so they stopped the bus. Music is going. I'm, like, <laughs> like can we get going? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I have heard... Um, I met a man from Nigeria while I was in Camarillo and he he had to leave uh, in fear of his life. That's a, another story. But he has been all over the world and he tells me that the culture in other parts of the world is very different from that of the culture in the United States. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It is much more laid back, mostly. Uh, people aren't like, go, 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 go. Like we are here. You know? Yeah. We're like Energizer bunnies. Yeah. <laughs> Just and constantly again, we go. we kind of did it to ourselves, right? We yeah. do it to ourselves. Yeah. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah. So. Yeah. 
Well, I feel like part of that too just just comes with this need to constantly be innovating, mm-hmm. to constantly be ahead of the curve, be on top, to move forward, which has its benefits. Right. But you know, often it seems we overlook the value in uh, of just taking a step back, right. taking a step back, right. relaxing, life, experiencing life. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. You always hear, you know, it's such a cheesy saying, but if you don't stop and smell the roses every now and then. Bye bye. Yeah, it's gone. You know. Yep. Yeah. No, that's cool that it's laid back though, and it's just, it's a very different culture. So that, and compared to the culture in India, then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's completely different. Um, culture in India is very like it's such a rich culture yeah. in India because it's like you know thousands of years of yeah. history and subcultures. Yeah. So th- what you see in India is. Uh, Almost division of classes. Yeah. It's very prominent. Yeah. And then, uh, but people are laid back. Like A lot mm. of the women don't have jobs outside of the house. They have a lot of servants, you know, but there's poverty. They're very poor. Yeah. But still, what shocks me about it is people don't try to go get a job and stuff. They're just kind of like, They're this okay. is my luck. Right. Like, you know, you could change your luck. We have that mentality here. But people yeah. don't necessarily have it everywhere. Why do you yeah. think that is? Um, I I think it's just years of upbringing or just mm-hmm. the way culture is, you know. Religion is very, very deeply in, uh, embedded in Indian culture. So if they think this is karma, this is what God meant for me to... They won't even try to make it otherwise. Oh. You know? oh well, okay. and I see that's cool because you were saying like you guys were poor when you were younger right and you didn't have, you were like hey, nope i am yep. raising myself up right and it's that's interesting to see because a lot of I, at least just from my experience just from what i know what a lot of immigrants from india especially when they come here they have the mentality of okay we're going to raise ourselves up right. i have no idea it was like the complete opposite when you're actually there though right the people that are poor it's like well and i know the poverty like People talk about poverty in America. That's nothing, nothing compared. compared to the poverty there. Like, I haven't seen it, but just based on what, like, mom has told me. Right. And the things that I've heard, like, is bad. Yeah. There, oh, you know? Dude, the pictures, you know, you can, that's what you can see, right? Right. With the wonders right. of technology nowadays, you know. I've seen pictures of just people on trains. Yeah. And it's like, you can't even see the train. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen that picture. Yeah. It's like, where's the train? Yeah, I've seen that picture. Yeah the homeless you know along the their little camps along the uh, roads and they yeah. have nothing to eat it's gets to like 120 degrees it's hot in india and humid yeah. and humid and there's no like cold water running water they're just you know so it's just must like, be very tough yeah yeah well then you get the complete polar opposite in the winter and it's yeah super cold right right and you don't have heaters you don't have you know right. transportation well isn't right. summer when it's the summer is when it's monsoon, right? Monsoon yeah. Season so, there. so we do get rains yeah. in the summer, which is nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was another difference. We're like, what? It rains here in winter? Like, that was like, it only threw us <laughs> yeah, off. it was like, right. Right. confusing. Yeah. Dry summer, <laughs> the, rainy winter. Right. Because yeah. in our mind, that's God's way of cooling us down in India, right? <laughs> so you come, you're like, what is this? Like, it's like somebody's got it wrong. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, man. Um, I want to kind of dial back a little bit i can't imagine that um you know well actually i should just ask you um what was it like uh when you were growing up you know before you went to college when you were still in high school were you um you know just what was life like you know with your family 
you know, coming over with so many people? Um, you know, just, I, I thought it was normal. Right. Because, but we lived in a mixed family again, even here. We bought a house together with our uncles and everything. So mm-hmm. there were like 20 people living in one house. Uh, that was four bedrooms. So I shared a room with like three other people, my brother and a couple of cousins. And we just kind of, you know, it, it didn't feel much different, even though we were here. But like the whole family came together from India and we were all living in the same house. So um, a lot of uh, more responsibility here, like more independence, like you kind of make your own food, you know, go do your own thing. Mm-hmm. Right. You were responsible for you know, making sure your clothes are ready for tomorrow, that kind of stuff. So all that was different because we're in India, we have servants and stuff. Right. But there was nobody, like, looking after you, picking up your shoes, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and then, you know, getting a job, that kind of, you know, in high school. And, right, right. Yeah. Um, was it hard to to study and to do well in school? Because I can imagine knowing early on that you wanted to be you know, in the medical field, I'm sure you knew, you know, that you would have to, that a certain level of performance was required. So was it hard? You know, um, it's funny that I didn't really know um, certain level of performances required until college. I'm like, really? I I need MCAT? I need a 4.0? Really? So I was just (laughs) studying. Uh Um, It wasn't a struggle because I, I like academics. So yeah. it was just like, I thought it was minimal amount of work because in India, they give you so much homework. Yeah. Even in summer, every class gives you enough for the, you know, three months you're off. Every class gives you enough. So wow. after coming here, I'm like, well, where's the homework? You could finish it in school. There was nothing to do, you know. So it was yeah. very easy. Yeah. And the math we had done, we were so much ahead in India, you know. How um, How's that? Um. They're very highly focused on math. Like we're doing algebra in elementary school where the funny part is like we don't learn English until sixth grade. Right. So but some of the algebra has X plus Y equals, you know, whatever. So you're this is your first exposure to English letters is through math. But they they value math a lot. Wow. I know a lot of. Indians I mean it's like they're very good at math they're very good at math and yeah. you see well you see a lot of because math you know that starts to apply to engineering right and so there's a lot of Indians yeah. that do go into engineering mm-hmm. and that do go into the metal field, medical field but it's funny because like with you it was the complete opposite your parents were like eh maybe don't yeah. go to college but a lot a lot of the culture is like no go to college okay. and become doctor what are the three options when you're Indian doctor engineer lawyer yeah <laughs> Was it, right. Every right. parent pushes them through. Doctor, to, engineer, yeah, lawyer. Doctor, engineer, yeah. lawyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I wonder why that is. I mean, like, I think part of it, is, like, especially when it's they come to America, symbol, it's a right? status symbol. Yeah. Yeah. Um, parents will feel like I accomplished something if my son's able to become a doctor. Like that's my son or yeah. whatever. You right. know. And the funny part is, my mom, as much as she discouraged me, now she she'll hear somebody say. Like, oh, her daughter is a doctor and she loves it. She's like, oh, I wish my son was a doctor. I'm like, really? You discouraged right. me. Right. <laughs> well, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
But um, so is the way that you would do math in India, is it a similar system to how we do math here in, in the United States or was it um, different? You know, I don't recall too much details, mm -hmm. but what we do do a lot of in India is um, a lot of practice, like so much practice that you really, you have everything memorized. There's so much homework. Um, if you don't, even in high school, if you're not doing it right, you get called out in class and you get beaten. Really? You know? oh, shit. Yeah. So it's like public humiliation. Yeah. Right. So you really, you focus and you study, so... Yeah, don't want to get called out in class. Yeah, that actually that actually explains a lot of the drive that you often see in immigrants when yeah. they come here to the United States because even though things are more relaxed here... They're in that discipline mode. Right. Where yeah. you come from, it's completely different. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, this is something you see shared among many countries in Asia. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Well, if you look at... Because um, this is something I was curious about. If you look at like who's making the most money asian country asian men make more than white people do yeah right and I that's know. because and i well i was curious and a lot of it does have to do with it's that drive right that is instilled upon them at a young age right right it's like okay if you want something work hard right and maybe you'll get it yep. you didn't get it you know what that means you gotta work harder yeah. Right. It's and not be the best at it and be the best. Be the this best is at not it. good enough. This is, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. that constant. And I feel like there's definitely pros and cons to that. There's like a big pro is you're going to be damn good at what you're doing. Right. Right. And the con is just a lot of kids sometimes start to miss out on what it's like to be a kid. Right. But then, I don't right. know. I feel like there's a good balance. Like, I think a lot of, especially today, you see with a lot of parents, you know, there's that, okay, you should, you are expected to do well in school. You're not going to, if you want something, you have to put in the work, but it's also like, okay, yeah, but like, you get like unrisen sports. Right. Uh, Unrisen's my cousin, her her, her son. <laughs> but like he does sports, does this, but he, I, he's also like, okay, but he's expected to do well in school. He puts right. in the work and does it. And that's good. He's like experiencing, okay, what's like to be a teenager, this, this, and that. But it's like, okay, but when it's time to do his stuff, it's like, right. okay, I got to do my stuff. Okay. Right. And I am a proponent of that. I have seen... I have seen physicians that were my colleagues that are just miserable because their parents pushed them and they did not want to become doctors. Right. And they're, you know, I had this friend who was like, anytime you're near her, she would show her artwork on her cell phone saying, this is where my heart is. But my parents wanted me to become a doctor. So she was just miserable. Yeah. I don't, I don't want my kids like that. You know, yeah. I want them to follow their passion, but be the best at it. Yeah, and that's that's amazing. Yeah. I think that's Absolutely. a I think that's definitely a beautiful mentality to have. Yeah, right. Because yeah. it's still that you're you you're expected do well, to do good, but, but do what where's you your want. passion at? Right. Exactly, it's the same thing. Because you're successful then, right. Only right? Then, and I'm successful as a parent then. If you you know they're happy and successful in their With field, what they're doing. Well, that's right. cool. That's awesome. Do you feel like things? I mean, generally speaking, might be better if more people followed their passions. I think so. Yeah. But, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, life is not just just that you were able to follow the passion so right. um, easily. There's right. so many curveballs thrown at a person, so many obstacles. So it depends on how strongly you feel about your passion. You right. could overcome the obstacles. Right. And a lot of people tend to give up. And that's yeah. what, that's the misfortune. Yeah. You know. Did you see that a lot in your profession? 
Yes. Going through school. Mm-hmm. Actually, in college, when I started, like, say, Bio 1A, first year of college, everybody was pre-med. Everybody was going to med school. <laughs> right. And I don't know anybody else that I know from that class. I know one, uh, you know, a girl from UC Davis that I know has, uh, you know, that was part of my class. Yeah. Who became a physician, but... Everybody else changed course. Right. So, I mean, our friend Marbu, Sheruwama, he was talking about pre-med. Was he? Yeah. Hmm. He changed. uh, Like, we had a ton of friends who everybody was pre-med. Next thing you know, they're doing something else. Oh, there's no, they're doing something else. Oh, look, there's no, yeah. So, there's a high dropout rate then. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of colleges have a high dropout rate. It's very, it's a tough course, right? And the people look at the number of years you're dedicated, uh, you have to dedicate. Yeah. They're like, oh, I can start making money today. Yeah, yeah. well, that's what, 12, 12 years at least. Right. Yeah, you got to, yeah, your four year degree. And then, well, okay, let's see, there's your, there's your four year degree. And then medical school takes four years. Four years of med school and, and three to four years of residency. Uh, got it. Or up to nine, depending if you want to be a neurosurgeon or something, you know? Right. It requires, where it requires more training, more right. expertise. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, Okay, so you do med school and then residency. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that? Residency is like focused training mm-hmm. in any specialty. So mm-hmm. I did internal medicine. You could do pediatrics, emergency medicine. Um, and then if you want to further specialize, like cardiology, you do, you do three years of uh, internal medicine. And then thereafter, it's called fellowship if you go subspecialize. Yeah. Uh, so you do three to four years of cardiology, then you want to do something else in cardiology, then you do two to three more years mm. before you actually get a job. So it could take close to almost two decades. Yeah. That's... And residency, in residency, uh, you know, when I was doing it, they had work hour limitations. So we were not allowed on paper to work more than 80 hours a week. But previously, the, the word resident comes from the fact that you were, were house staff you right. stay in the hospital, there's rooms and food provided, and you're, you know, the doctor there all day, all night. That's what well, we, you're expected, we were expected to work like 36 hours straight, you know, and have one yeah. day off a week. The wow. Three years. Wow. And how has that changed mm-hmm. today? Um, I think now still the limitation is uh, 80 hours. It hasn't gone down yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they have put in more safety stuff if you're post call after working day and night you get to go home early you know that kind of stuff it like when we're in medical school we're still doing so many hours so you could be working 36 straight hours at the hospital and there's no limitations to medical schools students don't have these rights you know right right so it's just completely brutal it's very brutal it just prepares you for Real life, you know, though. for the, your future, the reality, right? That you're gonna because have to face. Yeah. You can, you don't know what time an emergency is gonna happen to your patient. You have to this get up and be, you know, you have to be ready your to like, game. Oh, yeah. it's two in the morning. All right, yep, I gotta go. think straight. This is true, but um, then also sleep too is very important, right? Because right. you know, without sleep, you know, your cognitive functions are impaired, right? And you know, there have been studies showing even that. Uh, you know, a day without sleep is as bad as being drunk when you're driving. Right. 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 So do, do you feel like this is a, a good way to do things or do you feel like there, we could do it better? 
You know, I, the reason they did change the residency hours because they used to have 120 hour uh, limit and no limit prior to that. Mm-hmm. So then they put in 120 hour because they were showing that uh, medical errors were going up if you're sleep deprived, you're working post call. Right. So they put, and then, you know, doctors were having accidents while driving, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So they put in uh, duty hour limitations so we we're, we can't stay more. Um, there's pros and cons. I'm probably old school. So to me, 80 hours wasn't bad. Um, but now when people complain 80 hours is too bad, what it happens is, let's say you're doing surgery. Yeah. You're a surgery resident. Right. And surgery is five-year residency. If you're The longer you stay in the hospital, the more you learn. You don't know what case is going to come through. That might be your one case you're going to get in five years. If you're going home early... You may never see that case, and so you won't get to ever do that surgery. Right. So the residents that are coming out of the newer, less, you know, having worked less hours, they're not as well-trained as good expert, you know, with their hands, as good experience or Mm -hmm. confidence. So, Uh, Yeah. um, I can recall there was this one time I worked um, traffic for um, a local race um running mm-hmm. and um i can remember that you know the race is like five minutes from starting and this guy comes in his truck and he sticks his head out the window and he's like what's going on and his eyes were just completely bloodshot and you know i'm like the the road's closed you know the race is about to start and he's mm-hmm. like i'm a nurse at the hospital up the road and he shows us his badge, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at this man's face and he's like, I haven't slept in over two days, <laughs> you know, please. My house is, is right across the way, you know. And so, you know, don't tell anybody, but we let him go through, um, <laughs> right? Because, you know, uh, we, we did still have like, you know, a little bit of time, you know, so we figured, you know, should, he should have enough time to get through and everything was fine. But that was one of those moments where I kind of realized like, what uh, doctors and nurses, medical professionals, the mm-hmm. kinds of things that they go through and the, what's required of them right. you know, in order for them to do their job. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. So what kind of, um, I guess, especially, like what, what kind of doctor are you guys? I am internal medicine. Mm-hmm. So it's adult uh, general medicine. Gotcha. Um, so basically primary care. And so we're like the first contact if something something's going on with you and you go to your doctor mm-hmm. and my job is to fi- try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And okay. then, you know, if it's something like beyond what I do, it, you know, then I would refer you to whatever specialist. All right. Got so it. what kinds of things do you deal with? Um, I do a lot. I don't do surgery because okay. I find surgery very boring. So I never pursued surgery. <laughs> um um you know i take care of from diabetes to hepatitis hiv um you know heart failure heart attack stroke Mm -hmm. um copd asthma you name it that must cancer everything that must be really hard when you encounter someone with a with aids or hiv or one of these other deadly diseases yeah um, I think like when we're first exposed to it as medical students, mm-hmm. it, every first patient you remember, oh my, I remember my first whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you mostly get used to it because it's all day long. 
Yeah. And you could see 20 patients in a day, but you have to kind of keep moving in the hospital. So, um, but there's few cases that kind of stay with you, you know, for a lifetime. Yeah. So, so is it one of those things where you found it gets easier over time? Uh, it gets easier to manage. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, I no longer panic with anything. Uh, as far as medical is concerned, I know I can take care of it. Um, but uh, the emotional part, there's still sometimes yeah, that sure. you're like, oh, my God, why? Why is it that this happened to this person? You right, know, right. Yeah, that part never gets easier. I'm um, sure, yeah. But we're exposed so much that, you know, I feel like I've seen everything. But there's still things that will shock me. Mm -hmm. like, crazy. like what? Do you mind talking about any of that? Um, most recently, the shocking thing that's kind of imprinted on my mind is, uh, you know, a patient. I was reviewing a death and it was uh, some guy just kind of walked off where he wasn't supposed to walk off. And then a week later, his body's found it's eaten by animals. Oh. It's literally chunks missing. And, the, you know, unfortunately, I got to see the pictures. So they, mm. it, it stayed with me. Right, right. Yeah, that I can uh, I can imagine that things of that nature must be very difficult yeah, yeah. To, to deal with. Uh, or like in bodies I've seen, you know, uh, right. when I was in Bakersfield, there was a house fire. And oh. we were doing... Um, we were going to do a autopsy. And so we were just going to do autopsy of our patient and we walked into the room and the one of the kids that had died in the house fire oh. sitting like this uh, in the fetal position was yeah. in that room. So that oh, just, you oh, know, wow. stayed with me. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, oh my God. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean no, to no, 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 <laughs> no. Uncomfortable for you. I feel no. like that's one of those things. Like, okay. like, you know, you yeah. can say that and the image can pop in your head, but that image isn't going to, you and don't know, know what that's like to see until really. you've seen right. it. Until right. you've seen it. Nobody yeah. could, yeah. You can't, right. Yeah. I Words feel like, don't do justice. Right. You know, it's yeah. like you can, you yeah. can imagine something in your head, but that's nothing like actually seeing it. Right. And it's actually in your head. Right. That's, right. Yeah. So, I mean, those are the, but there, there's good rewarding stuff as well. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like OB-GYN is very rewarding if you want to experience childbirth with the family, their new kid. Yeah. You know, everybody's happy-go-lucky. Right, uh, That right. kind of stuff is also there. Or, you know, somebody gets better and they're mm, right. thanking you and that kind of stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. What's one of the best things that has stuck with you? Um, Maybe like a best case or... I mean, I what sticks with me most is probably interesting cases, you know. <laughs> nice. Um, so, but I can't remember like the really good case per se. Mm -hmm. Just like, the in a sense, one. I remember. I know what's interesting to me may not be interesting to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you might find what, do you, what do you find interesting? Um, you know, uh, uh, disease processes that are very interesting. That, you know, took months to figure out. There's 10 people working on it, and it took yeah. a while to figure out really? that kind of stuff. Yeah. 10 people. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the stories I remember, this was a good case. Um, it's like a 17-year-old. Mm -hmm. uh, I was at Kern, 
in Bakersfield. Mm -hmm. So she walks into the emergency room, like staggering gait. And we're starting to work her up and, you know, taking history and all that. Her mom was there. So she's just answering one word questions. And then mom leaves. We were going to admit her. Um, we we found out she had this medicine called Dilantin. Mm-hmm. It's a seizure medication. Mm-hmm. So she had toxicity, which can give you a staggering gait. It messes up your n- neurologic status. Mm-hmm. So that's what she had. She had slurred speech, staggering gait. And when the mom goes away, this w- the story she tells me, this was very interesting. So the mom had taken her to Pakistan to get arranged marriage. Mm-hmm. And she was 17. The mom wanted to do it before she turns 18. So she's not marrying on her own right Mm -hmm. so she didn't want this marriage so day before the marriage she fakes a seizure okay oh my so they cancel the wedding and take her to the hospital and she gets put on these seizure medications Mm -hmm. and mom wanted to make sure she takes it every day she's giving her like twice the dose so she got toxicity the mom brought her back because she started acting weird in pakistan so she um, brought her back, and that's the that's what the lady told us. And then we stopped all the medications, and she was better within a week. Oh my! Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! That is an interesting thing. Um, yeah. The uh, the arranged marriages and things of that nature. Um, it's commonplace. It's like good. I know it's it's not as it is, commonplace yeah. anymore. I don't think, but it definitely is. It's yeah. just the culture, right? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. They have um, less divorces than we do now, right? You know, right. So it's it, it's kind of interesting in that sense, right? Again, like you were saying before, pros and cons to everything, right? Right. Yeah. Was she? So do you know what happened to her after that? Was she fine? I don't, yeah. I'm you sure. just kind of she right. sent her on her way, mm-hmm. right? That's interesting. That is interesting. <laughs> okay, so after you complete residency, then do you start working in the field? Uh, yeah. So after I completed my residency, I was an inpatient physician called mm-hmm. hospitalist with Mer- uh, Mercy for 10 years. Okay. So we just admit. And when people come to the emergency room and if they're super sick and need to stay in the hospital, mm-hmm. then I'm the admitting doctor. We take care of them through the hospital. Got it. And then we send them back to and their primary care doctor sees them. Right. So right. we take care of them, talk to the families, coordinate whatever needs to be done, mm-hmm. you know. And you worked at a prison for a time too, didn't you? I am currently working for a prison system. Yes. Oh, you, okay. That's what you do now, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, what's that like? So last four <laughs> years, it's very interesting, very different from the free world. Mm. Uh, oh, you know? I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the the culture is completely different. You know, they have their own rules. Uh, the the prisoners they they have like such little freedom. Uh, you know, they, they come to medical doctors for, like, getting whatever they can. Yeah. You know, it could be shoes, mm-hmm. uh, I any any excuse to get a lower bunk or something like that. Yeah. Or try to get out of a job if they're assigned to a hard assignment. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So those mm-hmm. kind of things. That's interesting. So do you do, like, because I know you are saying sometimes you'll do, like, you do the conference or whatever over video, right? Mm-hmm. Most of my uh, clinic visits are through uh, webcam. Mm-hmm. Uh, with telemedicine mm-hmm. so the uh, prisoners are in their uh, prison uh, not in the cells they each prison has a clinic so they come to the clinic and there's uh, telemedicine equipment set up 
mm-hmm. and we're able to have a conversation from here. Got it. Yeah. So how often do you actually uh, meet in person with patients? Um, if, if I feel the need, like I need to go see them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sometimes once a month, I've gone daily to the prison, mm-hmm. you know, when I feel the need. Yeah. That I need to lay hands on people to examine better or whatever, uh, yeah. you know. So it just depends on uh, what the patients need. Mm-hmm. So is it for the whole California prison system or is it like local areas? How does that work? We covered the whole state of California. Oh. Um, telemedicine just kind of was invented out of the need because some of the our prisons are in very remote areas. Right. And uh, there's issues with staffing with physicians because... People don't want to live in really remote areas, and then it's a prison. Right. So it's hard to maintain staff. So Got this it. way we're able to provide care, and, you know, everybody works at headquarters. You said that they make up their own rules. Is this the, the prison system that they have different rules? or? Um, no, not necessarily. They make up, like, prisoners don't make up rules, mm-hmm. but the prison system has its own rules and regulations and policies that we don't, you know, say if I was at Mercy, if I want to MRI you, I'll just write it and get it done in an hour. Um, mm-hmm. Here we have, you know, if you want MRI, you, you should do this first. You need to do this first. You want to make sure this is done first. So it might be months before MRI gets approved and then d- done. Got it. So it's like the VA system. Okay. Do you find that that can be problematic at times? It's inconvenient for sure. Mm-hmm. But it does cause you to be more thorough and look at every, you know, yeah. avenue first before you, you know. And it makes you think, I want, I don't want to just keep ordering tests. Right. Um, because we we have this fiduciary, you know, responsibility to the state of California, the people of California, taxpayers. So we, you know, we have to be responsible with their money. Right. So... Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. I was just, I know you were saying, I remember we were talking one time. This is like kind of off. Sorry, but okay. we were talking one time. I remember, and you were saying a lot of the guys like within the prison are like super jacked because like they train calisthenics in their cells all day. Cause oh, they yeah. have nothing else to do. Yeah. You were saying you knew someone that did with like 500 pushups a day or something. Oh, yeah. That's like almost everybody does hundreds of pushups. Um, very few don't work up, but most of them, you know, I, they're like, oh, I do, you know, 2,000 squats, 1,300 push-ups, and oh, wow. they're just very good physical condition. Yeah. I mean, I have had 65-year-olds who will beat any 30-year-old outside in the community, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's all calisthenics. They don't have free weights. They don't have, they're mm-hmm. just right. body weight exercises. All body weight, yeah, yeah, So yeah. the movies are lying. I'm sorry? In the movies, a lot of times you see them with the weights, yeah. right? I think the some of the older prisons had weights, but it's uh, it can be used as weapons. As weapons, right. yeah. So uh, anything like that has been uh, removed from. So it's all free body. Yeah, that's. Yeah, they, I remember, yeah, I remember we talked about that one time. You really, the lot of them they might not be super big, but right, they are so shredded and chiseled. Yeah. 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 Um, so they're in peak physical shape, but I can imagine that uh, their mental shape is not as well off. Right. So we do have very high um, incident of uh, mental health population, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, uh, higher uh, frequency than outside world. Right. I don't know if that's 
because the people with you know mental health illness tend to have more criminal history because they're not thinking straight or something like that right. or the environment of the prison makes it worse because they right. are now removed from their sport system right and they lose their freedom and it's just it's, you, yeah you know right. anybody would lose it and it can be a com- combination of the two right. as well right, right. Yep. Yeah, well i'd imagine i mean you know, like, I get it. Like, you know, if you kill somebody, you should probably go to jail. Right. <laughs> the same, right. I mean, yeah. duh. But, you know, it's at the same time to live in, you know, here's your cell. Confinement. It's super tiny. This is where you are. This is where you're going to spend the next and, 20 years. And you eat what's given to you. Yep. There's no freedom there. You know, there's little things we take pleasure in that that are such privileges we don't even realize. Yeah. Um, it makes you think. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I realized uh, that was eye-opening to me was that people who are ending up in prisoners in prisons, they're um, they're kind of victims of society. Unfortunately, they a lot of them come from broken families, mm-hmm. single moms, uh, you know, physically abused when they were growing up. They, their mom or dad gave them drugs when they were eight. Right. Ton of cases like that. So they didn't get a good loving family, you know? Right. Uh, I mean, we're very quick to blame these people, but I also think we are responsible as a society. They didn't get to go to school. They didn't get to, you know, a lot of them, their first contact with the physician is in the prison. Right. Wow. So, you know, I'm at, it's very sad. Well, it's a lack of empathy, I think, that we don't have. We don't don't have. have. We we tend to... Sorry. <laughs> well, we see them as the bad guy. Yeah. Right. We and tend to pass judgment. That was, yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. Pass judgment, and we see them as like, oh, these are the bad. There's a reason you're in prison. You're the bad guy. It's like, well, look at your privileged life, yeah. and then look at where these people came from. Right. Okay. Right. Now tell me how well you think you would have done, and you were in right. the same circumstance. Right. Right. Well, right. And a lot of these people, and don't get me wrong, there are people who grow up in the same situations that do end up getting their lives together right. they're like nope i don't want this but the reality is different the reality is that the majority of people won't have that mindset because you know once you've been beaten down so much it's hard to think well what's the point in getting back up right 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 and unfortunately they get you know uh, addicted to drugs and stuff that it's such a physiologically strong addiction they do not have control then they right. will do anything you know to acquire the drugs, they'll shoot, they'll kill, they'll steal, whatever it takes. Do whatever right? they gotta do. Get the next fix, so, right? Yeah. And a lot of times too, I think they're we like to think like, oh, we are not that, you know, like mm-hmm. when you know, someone on the outside looks at someone who who's in a prison, I think a lot of times we don't want to think that like we're cut from the same cloth. Right. We want to separate ourselves. We want to say, well, we're civilized people, right? We're different. But the reality is we're all humans, right? Right. You know, the reality is Exactly. It's like if you would have been born into that exact situation. That could have been you. That could have been you. And to tell yourself that, oh, I would have made a different decision. You don't know that. We don't. Unless you're born into a certain situation. Right. You don't actually know how you would have turned out. Right. And that's the thing. And it's, again, it just goes back to that lack of empathy for people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm sure working in a prison system and seeing that probably is like, okay, you know, I'm sure for you, that's probably eye opening. It's like, okay, I mean. It was definitely eye-opening for me and also made me think I was very reserved when I first started. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I switched jobs because my husband asked me to, because my hospital job was so demanding and it was taxing on the family. Mm-hmm. So I needed a lifestyle job. 
Yeah. But it, that's not where my heart was. You know, I did not want to, this job, but um, it was eye-opening because yeah. initially I was like, I'm not sure if I want to work, if I want to help uh, people who have committed crimes. Well, you know, the more I learned, they're the victims a lot of the time. They're victimized right. uh, by society or they didn't get the chances. Or And then, you know, I tell myself, look, my job is not to judge. Right. They've been judged. They've been punished. Right. The state of California hired me to provide health care as a healer. Right. That is it. That's your job. That's my job. Nice. Right. Not to judge. And yeah. Just uh, because they sin differently than me, you know. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Um, how do you think that we could better the prison situation? Um, I think education... You know, God, I wish we would invest in education more Mm -hmm. and like ensure that everybody goes to school and pay for it. If that's what it's much cheaper than prisons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. You know, yeah, yeah, a lot cheaper than prisons. Um, And the thing is, you know, what's interesting. The schools that get funding, the way they do it is it's based on the market value of the homes around it Mm -hmm. so like kasuma silks high school the value of those homes is going to be a lot higher than the value of the homes by valley high school Mm -hmm. because that's in the south sack area right the value of those homes is going to be less that school is going to get less funding their education is going to be poor the students aren't going to have as high of a success rate and that's when you see them drop out that's when you see kids joining gangs that's when you see all these things happen and then they're set up you talk about the school to prison pipeline where do you think it starts schools aren't getting enough funding yep right I mean, they're already coming from poor neighborhoods, right. and poor, fa- broken families. And then they go to these schools that aren't getting proper funding. And, you know, and nobody's really t- caring when they, they're not coming to school, that right. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and then they all the messages they're getting all day is nobody cares. Right. 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 And they need to be told, well, someone does care. Right. Um you know and if we invest in families just families yeah. if it is a single mom set up you know some of the states have like combined uh, community housing where like mm-hmm. there's senior citizens living and sing- it's made for single moms and senior citizens yeah. and they help each other out mm-hmm. yeah it's like you know, that, so you know, they feel there's take. a family sense to it yeah but everybody gets uh, uh, something out it's of like it it's like the give and take situation right 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 uh, and it's purposeful for the senior citizens they get to play with kids the moms get some help they help out the seniors mm-hmm. you know yeah, so yeah. basically just more of that investing in families investing mm-hmm. in the education system yeah right as is yeah. uh, i was talking to a friend yesterday actually and you know this is a subject that came up in conversation you know how can we make the education system better he's a very smart guy you know he's going to ucla um but yeah, he was like top three in our graduating class like he's a really smart guy correct mm-hmm. and he thinks our education system's terrible yeah <laughs> well and it's yeah. funny me and you talked about this in the car and I agree. you know a lot of it is because it's like so he got the super high gpa just mm-hmm. friend yeah but you know schools tend to pander to those kids mm-hmm. whereas they forget about the other kids mm-hmm. right that need that, that that little extra push and there are kids that need that and then there's our tests and that's like a question of are those really a measure of intelligence mm-hmm. or is that just a way of, did you memorize these? Okay, let's move on. Right. And then you were testing as a stressful environment. Some people don't do well under that. Right. How do you actually measure someone's intelligence? I have no idea. I'm not. Well, part of it do, too but... is that they're trying to filter people out, right? You know, right. you don't want everybody to be successful. So you have to find a way to filter people out. Right. Right. 
this is a problem too, I think, because the more, I mean, you know, going back to what you said about, you know, pandering to the, to the smart kids, right? Or the kids who we think have potential because you forget that everybody else has potential, some potential, some right. potential to do something, well, right? Not yeah. only that, but the further ahead you are, the further you'll be able to go. So for the kids who are further behind, it's easier for them to continue to fall further mm-hmm. and further behind, right? Mm-hmm. We see these like uh, negative feedback loops, these cycles that right. people get stuck in. I think sorry that <laughs> if we uh, put more focus into those kids who were not succeeding and who are not doing as well to help them get up to par i think we could help them go a lot further yeah and i think at least up to par right yeah and a lot of kids do like i said when you're in an impoverished area and you're going to school in that area those kids are the ones that tend to do well and those unfortunately also tend to be minorities right Right. And right. a large percentage of the people that are in prison are minorities, specifically African-Americans. Yep. Right. Right. You know, right. Uh, it, it's unfortunate. We were uh, discussing at work. There's several people I know from Valley High who are in prison. And, you know, um, I made that comment that there are people from Valley High that I know who are in prison right now. Yeah. And somebody else said there's a... Um, correctional officer who knows 27 people from Valley High that he he went to Valley High as well. 27 people from Valley High who were in prison. And that's sad. I mean, that's that's just... very sad. That goes to show. It's like, you know, if those kids had a better education, you invest more in the families, like you said. Because again, another thing is a lot of the kids that are in those are growing up without a father figure. Right. They're growing up with just single mothers and that's got to be hard on its own, you know. I couldn't even imagine. And then, then you you know, I think, and it's it's unfortunate because again, it's a lot of the kids that end up there are African American men. Mm-hmm. But again, a lot of it has to, they don't have a father figure. And this isn't. I understand that that's that's not all right. Right. I'm not it's, saying it is, but if you're looking at statistics and who are the people that are going to jail and where are they coming from, these impoverished neighborhoods mm-hmm. and neighborhoods. What are the um? What's the word I'm looking for? The the, just the population in that area, a large percentage of minorities, specifically African-Americans. Yeah. And it's you, again, those are the people that you're seeing go to prison. How do we fix that, right? And then, right. you know, that begs that question, like you were saying, invest in the families, invest into the schools. Mm-hmm. You know, people, unfortunately, a lot of those kids don't see the value in education. Right. Right. Yep. And I think a lot of kids give up from a young age, especially if they grew, grew up in poverty, they didn't come from much, just give up at an early age. Right. You know? And that's something that you see different, though, with Asian immigrants right. is maybe they do grow up in a more impoverished impoverished state, but they realize, well, I can get out of this if With I education. pursue an education. Yep. And I think that that's something that people in those circumstances really need to learn is there's a serious value in getting your education. You're not some nerd for getting it. Like, right. Like, it's just really teaching kids the value of it, right? Because right. there is a value in it Absolutely. that people don't realize, Yeah. you know. Do you see both men and women in the prison system? Uh, we do have men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not had the opportunity yet to see the women. Okay. Um, I've only most of our prisons are male. Right. So I've only seen males yeah. as of yeah and now. So. Mm-hmm. And there there are different levels of prisons too. Yes. Yeah. Different different security levels, and then mm-hmm. uh, there's people in you know single housing like uh, isolation. Yeah. Right, yes. right. Yeah. Do you notice? Sorry, well, I was going to ask. Do you notice any significant demographic differences between different levels 
of uh, prisons, security-wise or otherwise? Um, nothing, you know, that stands out except for, you know, like um, uh, he was saying, African American populations uh, mm-hmm. tend common. to be higher. Yeah, tend to be higher. Right. Uh, but nothing that stands out. No. Yeah. Okay. Or are you so gonna say? No, go ahead. Um, I'm just, I'm curious. What are some of the most interesting things that you've seen in your time working um, with I, inmates? Um, you know. We see a lot of different interesting things. I mean, one of the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's it's it's a whole different culture. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a very different culture. I mean, I'm learning a lot about you know state of California. I I get to visit different prisons. So I went mm-hmm. to San Quentin. I know that's the first prison that California, yeah. and it was built by prisoners. Wow. They brought prisoners on a ship, and they would go build. And then go back to the ship, like, hmm. you right. know, at, at night. Right. Um, uh, you know, pretty much all the cases that happen in California, uh, as far as crime is, it, they they do come into our system. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't particularly get to hear everything, um, but a lot of prisons. I was not aware that there's such so much, you know, uh, drugs and gangs that gangs inside the prisons that essentially run the gangs outside the prisons yeah i mean it's it's a really prison gangs is very interesting thing that's interesting yeah there's it's it's very it's very powerful yeah a lot of gangs it's there because i i've read some stuff about this it's weird gangs have serious power within prisons and there's like people when they come and this is also where you start to see racial divisions in prisons is you know, you and you go into a prison. You're by yourself. You're screwed. Right. You, right? you, you almost have to find need a group to associate with somebody to yeah. survive. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they they um they would they actually segregate. You know, if if you're Hispanic gang, you don't really want to be, you know, housed with a, a Caucasian gang. Right, uh, you know. Right. Or an African American, uh, right? Same. That's interesting. So they they have to the the custody officers have a very tough job because for each inmate they have to figure out who are their enemies outside, who may be potentially enemies inside, where can they be housed, right? You know, and then they have to make sure that the the medical. Uh, you know criteria are met also right so that definitely so do they um they do that to to prevent as much conflict as they can yeah i mean to protect the inmates as well as you know staff and prevent conflict and Mm -hmm. yeah that must be hard though yeah that that is a very tough job i think it's yeah you know it's very tough so because, because sorry sorry yeah i mean they they there's no room for error because there's so much violence in prisons. Right. right. So I was going to say, because there's so much violence, have you ever had to treat someone who was a victim of that violence within prison? Yeah, we, we do frequently. That's crazy. You know? yeah. So they, they get in fights all the time. Yeah. Uh, a lot of nose fractures we see or lacerations yeah. or somebody, you know, um, cut, make, cut, cut somebody. Uh, so we see a lot of that. Wow. And those tend to be kind of the most uh, the most common injuries, right? Yeah, a lot of fist fights, uh, you know, uh, and then some stab wounds. A lot of stab wounds. Mm-hmm. 
How else does the prison culture uh, differ from what people might expect, you think? Um, I think uh, as a physician, what I expect is my patients are honest with me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the doctor-patient relationship is very... Um, I think it's based on trust and confidence in each other. And you kind of are usually very open with your physician. Mm-hmm. So I can help you and you help me help you. Um, that part isn't always there mm-hmm. because uh, you feel you, you don't know when you're being told 100% of the truth or not. Because right. people, uh, I have had people tell me very fabricated stories that, you know, that I fall for thinking I'm, I'm trying to help this guy, but it was some made up stuff mm-hmm. and they're just trying to have their way, whatever right. th- might be the agenda, right. you know? So it yeah. kind of it, it violates that trust and then you can't trust that person. So that part is very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Otherwise, I think the misconception people have is like, it's unsafe environment to work, it, which is really not true. There's so much, protection, custody, everybody goes through so many checks before they go in. You can't, nobody just can walk in off of the street. Right, right, right. right. Um, so it, it's potentially unsafe that inmates can attack, uh, you know, workers. Right. Um, but it, it's not that common. It, right. It happens, but not that Do common. Do you find that lying tends to be a big issue when you're trying to work with patients? Um, it is very common issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you think you... Um, or how do you think one would go about trying to remedy that? You know, I do talk openly to my patients and I just tell them I'm here to help you as mm-hmm. your physician. So I would appreciate if you're honest with me. Right. Um, if you lie to me, everything you say thereafter, I will think it's a lie and I won't be able to help you. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. And do you find that, that that tends to be a more effective approach? It, it works. I mean, I'm very honest with the patients. I won't try to hide stuff. I won't try to lie them. If I am trying to get a test, I won't just say, I'm going to try, but not really try. Right. And that's the things that they don't like. They don't like lies. They don't like right. people. They want people to respect. Right. You know, so I tell them, I will respect you as a person. You respect me the same. We're and that's the thing. I think people would automatically assume, well, you're a prisoner. Let's disrespect right. It's like, okay. And that's like, the point that they're always trying to prove. They feel that people don't respect, respect them. them as humans, mm-hmm. yeah. um, that they disregard them. So they find that very, um, you know, disrespectful. I'm sure, yeah. You must find them then also going to great lengths to try to gain respect. Yeah. Um, or demand yeah. respect. Demand. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, that kind of probably ties back to like when, again, a lot of the fights that it's like well you disrespect me i'm gonna hit you you right. look somebody at the wrong way they're gonna, yeah well someone's gonna end up with a broken nose i mean but but then that's not it's not real respect right not a right. true genuine I mean, it's respect right. intimidation it's or fear, fear right than, yeah. right right yeah yeah that's interesting i'm curious to as as a medical professional to get your opinion on some other issues as well sure uh, what do you think about the legalization of marijuana in California? Um, I um, think it's very, I mean, I think we're following a wave. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as a medical professional, I think that we will see the effects. It's it's uh, something that's going to alter judgment and, you know, 
people are just liberally using it for every indication and it sounds too good to be true mm-hmm. right now it might have its place but i don't think that it's the cure for everything like everybody's saying right. oh definitely definitely yeah um do you find other medical professionals as well preparing for kind of the the after effects of the legalization of the drug so we are already seeing mm-hmm. you know a lot you know people are altered when they drive and, th- and that kind of thing so it, it you know checking levels and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. i'm sure will come you know by the lawmakers yeah. um but for you know as long from what i remember from the beginning of time of my life uh, marijuana is considered the gateway drug right i mean that so the fear is that you know what's going to happen next right right you know yeah, uh, so this is a... it's become uh, it's a it's a fi- it's for financial gain that really p- people who pushed the legalization they're really doing it for financial gains. Right. Uh, the general population, if they're really well educated about the side effects, that the you know what can happen, um, I I don't think the excitement would be so much then. Yeah, if uh, but. I definitely, I think that there's like a, uh, this strong social, the recreational side of marijuana. Right. It's, it's very, very big. It's kind of blown up, overblown, right? Right. Um, I, I like to say that, you know, drugs a lot of times are like tools, you know, sometimes they have their place, right? You know, we see pharmaceutical companies, you know, and doctors, we, you know, you prescribe certain drugs, right? They have their uses, um, like you were saying earlier, you know, marijuana, for example, it might have its own place. What kind of other problems do you see with marijuana? Um, uh, besides, like, you know, altered judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think we have seen enough uh, yet as far as side effects long term. Mm-hmm. It was like smoking. For years, we didn't know right. what it can happen. So we will see. Right, mm-hmm. but we do see nausea, vomiting a lot. Uh, so when people have too much marijuana, or when they're withdrawing from it, you do see a lot of nausea, vomiting, abdominal mm-hmm. pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but which is minor thing. It's not right, right. you know it's bad. Not gonna kill you. If, right. Like, you stop doing cocaine, and then all of a sudden, right, heart stops. Actually, uh, I mean, you can if if you know, you can correct me. But uh, I believe alcohol is the only drug that can actually kill you from withdrawal alone. Yes, people yeah. die from alcohol withdrawal. Yeah. Do you, um, heroin also, right. people have died, but, you know, it's just very painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you get any cases like that where uh, you'll get someone hospitalized uh, from, you know, the effects of a drug or the withdrawal from a drug? We, yeah. we do see it very commonly, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, overdoses, drug overdoses. Right. Um, how does that look in the prison system? Uh, similar similar probably uh, worse wow really (laughs) that's interesting because um i mean one would might think that you know prisoners in the prison right they're not going to have access to these kinds of things yeah they're very creative Uh, you know you have to think they have nothing but time this is true um so they they are very very street smart you know yeah Uh, i learned a lot we're so naive because your whole life i'm like this protected go to school go to class come home mm-hmm. we're, we don't you know do 
go out to streets and interact with people. Right. But they're very street smart. They're very creative and they socialize a lot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they come up with ways. Uh, do you find that they tend to have a compelling charisma? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, we are expected to stay professional. Mm-hmm. One of the things it's called over-familiarity. You don't want your prisoner, uh, you know, patients to become so familiar with you where they know our, anything about our personal life. Right. Uh, because it's a safety issue. Yeah. Right. Because um, the fear, of course, is always that they could use it against you, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard, or have you ever heard of there being any issues like that before? I have had an experience where um, it was shortly after, you know, it, when I was at Mercy, we were were always told to focus on patient satisfaction, do everything, smile, sit with patient, hold hands, everything. Right. Um, so I come from this culture, 10, 15 years of training for that. And I'm just being myself and nice and smiley. And next thing I know, I got a letter at uh, Mercy mm. addressed to me from a prisoner. It's like, I love you and I want to marry you. And I was like, oh my God, how does, you know, oh, wow. how does he, yeah, yeah, very scary. Yeah. Um, so uh, he had somebody look me up outside. Wow. And, wow. Yep. So that's crazy. Can they even, can they even know your name or is it? And you know, it used to be that we only put our last name, uh-huh. um, but the new medical records do have our full name. So they, they can have people Google us. Unfortunately, oh, so. shit. I see, I see. Um, That's wild. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know you You have to go soon. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I'll tell it's, you right uh, now. It's 6.13. Okay. So yeah. that's okay. It's like 15, 20 minutes more. Oh. Okay, okay. Well, um, I guess my mom just said, don't let Kelly leave. I'm bringing Anwar. Okay. I, I guess you'll be back shortly. She sent that five minutes ago. Okay. So I'm sure we have a bit more time. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, Glad I saw that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to to um to get your take on the the greater healthcare system. How do you view the healthcare system um, in this country? Currently broken. Mm-hmm. Okay. I um, I'd agree. <laughs> yeah. I I really couldn't tell you what what is the solution. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of smart stakeholders have to come together and probably do a lot of talking yeah for a long time before we have a good solution that would hopefully work for everyone yeah well sorry you know well one thing that you know we see a lot with especially the progressive wing of uh democrats is this idea of socialized healthcare. Mm -hmm. right i don't doesn't work no we've seen that in places where they tried it right it doesn't doesn't work work. you know and then the problem is with you see with privatized healthcare industries well then it's just too much and there's the people that are left in the dust and so then that begs the question well maybe some sort of government funded healthcare along with privatized industry works but it's like but is that the complete solution probably not right right because then the pharmaceutical companies charge god knows how much for medication like i know the prices of insulin like skyrocketed like two years ago whatever Mm -hmm. and it's in so people diabetes it's like well if you're poor like have fun dying dude everything even uh like my mom's asthma medication i've mentioned Mm -hmm. it before uh tens of thousands of dollars right you know it's insane and these people you know i think a lot of people actually feel fit like the healthcare system has failed them right right? and i agree i think you know it's true you know people who have 
money they have insurances and the sad part is the hospitals and them they they charge the insurances less mm-hmm. and if i don't have insurance i get charged a higher rate and people who are really in the middle are the true victims because the very poor they have medical in california yeah right? right if you have a, two, more than 2 3000 in your bank account and not enough to buy insurance you're on your own the hospitals can come after your assets mm-hmm. you don't have enough to pay for anything wow it, it's very sad situation you know people don't go to the doctor because of it you know right. yeah. they know that they can't afford to go to the labs the x-rays that this is what the doctor wants then right. the doctor can't see him it's 100 dollar visit you know yeah so it, they have to make choices between do i pay my bills or go spend i'm not dying they don't know right. that preventive health is important you know yeah. right so, preventive yeah. health not just oh well now i'm sick let's go to the doctor it's right. like well well I, that might be too late I think right that, that's a huge uh cultural issue too here in america it seems like we tend to have this mentality of you know you don't go to the doctor to 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 be healthy or to optimize your health it tends to often be uh you know people going to the doctor because oh i'm sick or something happened right right uh the biggest uh, part of finding a solution to any problem is first identifying the problem what do you think are the problems the biggest problems anyways that you would identify with the, the healthcare system as it currently is um probably access people just don't ha- can't get access because they don't have money right yeah. you know um that and the high cost but i you know the just even the pharmaceutical companies i understand they charge excessively yeah. for drugs but the system is set up so much so that mm-hmm. they have to go through so much trouble to get those drugs approved yeah. so they feel like you know by they've invested 10 years of resources to get this drug and now right. they have 5 years to get charged as much as they want they try yeah. to get their money back you know right um the other is bureaucracy there's so much bureaucracy in everything you know in the state system in healthcare there you could have 10 doctors and 5 administrators walking around you know yeah. it's the administrators that get paid really really well and yeah. technically they don't really do. they just oversee stuff yeah. so how many administrators do you need right right so yeah, if you look at the past 10 years the administrators have gone up the number of administrators hmm. in hospitals has gone up way uh high yeah mm-hmm. um you know so maybe maybe having free medical education like new york did uh, recently mm-hmm. one of their med schools free education and some of the other med schools are doing it um and then you were expected to serve in you know underserved areas that yeah. kind of right. you know Um, right um so do you think that one of the reasons for you know medication costing so much actually just has to do with the amount of money that's spent on the medication or is it often just overinflated it is overinflated yeah. you know it's absolutely mm-hmm. overinflated um probably at every step you know if i i'm the hospital i'm getting the one tablet or or one case of Tylenol for you know $30 from from the 
pharmaceutical company or five bucks, and then mm-hmm. I'm selling each tablet five dollars to the patients or charging each patient, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but the hospitals, their argument is they get so many people who cannot pay. Right. So somehow they got to stay afloat. Right. So unfortunately, people who can pay, they pay more than their share. Do you find that often, you know, uh, people not having insurance or insurance, you know, their insurance capping out is a is a prevalent issue? Um, yeah, it is an issue, mm-hmm. you know, then people uh, can't. Uh, do like preventive care or can't get care yeah um, you know and that's part of the reason is even in socialized medicine they sometimes can't get an MRI that they need for six months or a surgery right. that they need right. for a year they're waiting on some list you know mm-hmm. um, one thing that we do have in the US is that we value life right. a lot Right. So we we don't stop just because you don't have money. It's not like you're not going to get care. Right. When you really need it. But However, it's going to cost somebody some something somewhere. It may yeah. it's going to cost somebody right. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, if someone sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to give an example like if someone's shot, we're not going to be like, oh, well that sucks." It's like, "No, nah, like you'll treat that." And that's an extreme right. example I realized. Right. But that's just Yeah. Although and, not that extreme perhaps. Right. It yeah. depends on what part That's of the true. world. Like in India, yeah. if you don't have money and you're sick and you go to the hospital, they will say, go back, come back when you have money. Right. You need wow. blood transfusion. They have you deposit money first or you need surgery. Wow. They're like, this is how much you need to deposit. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So they'll, they'll essentially just kind of let people die if, if they can't pay. Right. right. People die all the time because they can't. I mean, mm-hmm. we know people who need bypass and they're just they don't have enough money right you know something like so that. that sounds terrible to, you know because you're <laughs> right and you're, you suddenly yeah. start seeing and you know maybe it's not so bad yeah maybe we don't have it so bad here right uh, right you know? no you true. hear a lot of people it's like you i feel like well and especially because you've immigrated here and i know like something my mom it's like <laughs> i know where i came from and right. i can tell you right now it's better here and you know I'm not going to say I understand that because I, I I was born here. I've lived here all my life. Right. But just through the just people that I know, the experiences that they went through, it's like, you really think we have it that bad? Right. You really think we do? Yeah. Right. But then, of course, there's always this um, this need to, to be better, you know, like with the, uh, the culture in the United States, you Absolutely. know, it's right. always we want to be one step ahead. We want to be further. And so that comes with its, its own benefits, too. Right. I feel right. like... Especially recently with uh, this explosion of technology that's happened, it almost seems like we're, our technology has advanced beyond our humanity. Right. Right. Um, do you find like a lot of practices in the medical field changing as technology changes, a lot of new things coming in? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, several things one of the things is like telemedicine now yeah. we're able to see patients remotely um, but it's also isolating there's that right. huge component of human touch that we're missing you know there's so much right. to that so you don't get to sit down and touch the patient and that kind of stuff right. so that is isolating yet you're able to provide um surgeries done with robotics you know right. that's uh, interesting yeah, yeah. does that happen a lot it's very it's, common. Yeah, now, I remember more and more. Um, when they were saying, I don't know if you remember, I was 
so my heart with my chest caving in they were right. talking about like the the bar that essentially i call it braces for your chest that's essentially <laughs> what it is it pushes yeah. it up right they wouldn't have done it themselves it would have been a little a robot mm-hmm. that would have done that done it close it up i'd have been out of the hospital that day day after yeah that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very, so it's absolutely changing a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing, I, there were so much medical errors or people could not read handwriting. So everybody had this huge push for electronic healthcare records. Mm-hmm. And so that's happened nationwide, essentially. But what we're seeing is it's so much junk in records. Now it's um, getting overpopulated with stuff you don't need. Right. People are cutting and pasting notes rather than... So you Actually, don't know what's actual and what's cut and paste. Right. Yeah. Like, is it from yesterday or is this really happened today? Right. It, you know, so you now yeah. it takes so much more. You're just spending more time with the computer and less with the patients. Yeah. Oh, wow. That sounds like it could get confusing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 How do you... Um, what do you think would be one way to, to improve that system? Um, I think, you know, people are hiring what's called scribes. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I think electronic healthcare system is here to stay. Right. But a lot of the computer companies, um, you know, like I met Dell, a healthcare representative. Yeah. They are focusing on how can we improve the quality of electronic healthcare. Got it. How can we now we actually dictate our notes? Uh, so it's just automatically being typed as I'm talking, that kind of stuff. So gotcha. things right. are happening, mm-hmm. but it'll take time. That sounds pretty cool, though, you know, like automatic dictation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know our dictation software isn't exactly the best. Uh, it's not the best, right? It's not as good as it could be. But right. um, that definitely sounds like, you know, one avenue. Yeah. Do you ever find, though, that the opposite is true, you know, where we see technology helping us advance and help people better? Do you ever find technology kind of getting in the way? In any I ways? mean, this is one way, right? right? Where we're charting all day because uh, they expect more charting. Right. So, it, it, not in the prison system necessarily. However, um, it's become a measure of quality, even though not necessarily. You could just chart really good doesn't mean you're delivering mm-hmm. good care. Right. Right. Gotcha. right. So if it's not documented, it didn't happen. That's the kind of saying in right. medicine. Right. So it takes you away from bedside and actually providing care for people. Yeah. And more focused at charting because that's mm-hmm. what insurances look for. That's what auditors, that's yeah. what, you know, court attorneys look for in malpractice right. lawsuits. Right. How do you see that affecting patients? Um, I think patients feel it that they're not getting enough time with their doctors that they're not talking a lot with right yeah you know we see stuff like oh my doctor was in the room but he was on the computer the whole time or wasn't facing me he was turned away from me i can tell you right now every when i go to my get my heart checked on yeah that's they ask me questions they'll say okay they'll input some stuff right that's exactly what it is Hmm, i never noticed that so you pointed out now i'm thinking back on it yeah that is a lot of it is yeah they're looking at the computer and then they'll like talk to us for a minute and then it's like all right time to go yeah Hmm. I mean, back in the day, people used to have a family doctor that you're going for generations. He knows your whole family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're right. part of the community. Right. You know, so they know your habits. They yeah. know everything, you know. So it's no longer that. So we right. lost that human touch. Yeah. Well, I know my daughter, my well, pediatrician. So, I mean, I'm 19 now. So right. the last time I saw her was like, I saw her a few weeks after I turned 18 because she wanted to do one last checkup. Mm-hmm. But... 
I know that like as I get old, that's not gonna be the same. I don't see the same. I don't go to the. I don't even right. know my doctor. Right. Right. So you don't have that connection. That, yeah, that's true, huh? Yep. Whereas I could tell, I remember my doctor's name. She remembers me. She was right. like, and then I, I was, well, I mean, 18 years I was with her. Obviously, mm-hmm. I don't remember all those 18 years. Right, right. But that's interesting. You, I, I can see what you mean, though, that losing that human touch. And I, I do go, I mean, as someone who is in the medical system and I do go frequently, frequently yeah. you know, every other year at least mm-hmm. to go get my heart checked on, that's, hmm. I'm going to, next time I go, I'm going to like be consciously thinking, wow, you got so much data to input that we're just not going to talk. Right. Right. Um, This is something that, you know, I've I've definitely noticed more and more, you know, with the rise of technology, you know, with the latest and greatest this and that, you know, and the internet, it's almost like uh, people can be closer than ever, but at the same time, we're like further apart. We're as distant as we've ever been, right? Absolutely. I Mm -hmm. think that's a huge drawback of right. cell phones and technology like right. you go to restaurants and you see all four members of the family so are on cell phones they're not no, talking to each other i'm so glad well it's so funny every time i go to your house why are you on your phone and i'm like yep. he's yeah. like put that down and i'm yep. like no and it's funny i'm so glad he i think it took him calling me out once right after that like every time i'm with my friends i I still go on my phone. Yeah. But I try to be like, when we're at dinner and stuff, I try to be like, okay, let's yeah. put it away and things like that. We don't have phones on our dinner table. And yeah. We sit there and actually talk to each other. Yeah. And that's important. And that's probably my pet peeve. So when we <laughs> go out, you notice it because that is my right. pet peeve, right? right. You see people right. just staring yeah. at their phones. Like you said, you know, okay. we have all these interactions with each other, but we're so far apart now. Yeah. Right. You know? Um, we got to wrap it up soon, but... Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on? Any no, final I, words? I appreciate you guys, you know, taking the time to interview me. Absolutely. Yeah, this was awesome. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank, thank you so you much guys. for coming in. It was my pleasure. Yeah. All right. Bye. Right. Bye. Dude, that was sick. Dude, that was really cool. It's always cool to get, you know, uh, a professional's insight, you know, especially on things like the healthcare system, yep. and, you know, pharmaceuticals, drugs, the way we, you know, treat people and interact with people, you know. Just to see the different perspective, and she has unique perspectives. She is a healthcare yeah. professional, and she's right. also an immigrant, right? Right, and it's always cool to see that, uh, you know, how things are in other places, how things are different. Exactly. Right? How we take things for granted here, right? Yep. You know, things yeah. that are right in front of us. Yeah, dude. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this podcast, or if you enjoy listening to the podcast, be sure to share it with, like, friends and family, or anybody that you think will also enjoy the podcast, right? Share it with your friends your family your dog your cat your fish yeah. fish listen to the podcast with your pets yeah <laughs> all right number for all though thank you guys for listening we'll yeah. see you guys next week big thank you again to dr Carr for coming in uh yeah and we'll see you on the next episode of life with josh and the mayor